Tom Shepstone. I'm with the Shepstone Management Corporation, and also I publish a blog called naturalgasnow.org. Outstanding. Thank you for joining the program here today. And uh, I do want to ask you about Trump's speech at the World Economic Forum. I want to get your take on that. But first of all, um, you know, we do this on the podcast. We do a headline segment and it wouldn't surprise me if we got a headline from Natural Gas Now from time to time in there. So tell us a little bit about Natural Gas Now, what it is you do, and how you're relevant in the world of uh, oil and gas. Yeah, thank you for asking that. Well, what we do is we advocate for natural gas development, particularly in rural areas where it typically occurs. And uh, I have, uh, I'm a planner by trade. That I do a lot of work with uh, communities and also people in the development business and uh, have an agricultural background as well. And uh, I know how important it is for rural economies to have something going on uh, that uh, generates some ability to pay the taxes on land. And that's one of the things that natural gas does very well. It allows you to generate a return on your investment in land. And therefore, it helps you to stay in farming and to stay you know, living on the land that perhaps you grew up on. Uh, it's it's very good for the rural soul, so to speak, and the rural economy. And it preserves a lot of open space in the process. So that's how I became an advocate for it. And Natural Gas Now is a blog where I collect the opinions of a lot of people, including some of your work. Um, and I've also... Uh, put a lot of my own effort into it in analyzing things, uh, uh, bringing up stories, letting people know what's going on. And my primary purpose in doing that is uh, to motivate people to do something, uh, to try to get them to be knowledgeable enough that when they get into a debate with some uh, somebody who thinks fossil fuel use is a threat, that they can, uh, they can respond accordingly and they can say... Uh, Fracking is not a, you know, it's not a problem environmentally. It's actually saving open space, for example. Um, and we have a, you know, a great track record. I want them to be able to know enough to argue back in a civil fashion. And that's what we try to do. We try to motivate and educate people at the same time for purposes of advocating for natural gas development. And I get some support from the industry. I get some support from landowners. Um, and, and, but primarily... We're focused on that that whole motivation element. You know, we, and our slogan is, you know, about uh, for the uh, you know for rural economies, for the land, and for the environment. So that's that's what we're all about. And sometimes there's some politics. Other times there's regulation, and sometimes it's just a straight out "did you know" or informative. I was looking at your website the other day, and I know you have guest bloggers, and they did a they did a pretty nice little quick article on uh, difference between wet dry and and wet gas uh, dry gas yeah. and wet gas which there is a significant difference oh yeah and when we and i'm very proud of our guest bloggers we have a lot of them and some of them are just you know ordinary uh, landowner types who want to say what they think and they're pr- pretty good at saying it and so we you know we do that we also have some um, like some retired people who uh, who've had some real special expertise with regard to uh, you know things like the uh, uh, you know carbon trading and things like that, and we and we um, 
know, privileged to be able to view some of their material. We, we have a relationship with the Institute for Energy Research, which allows us to use their material. And, and we have similar arrangements with other people, uh, including in the industry and out of it, um, to be able to put it all together and combine it with my opinions and my own personal knowledge from uh, being 60-some you know, years old and having uh, learned a couple of things along the way. So. Now, where, where are you based out of geographically? Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Now, Honesdale uh, is in the very northeastern corner of Pennsylvania. So we are, uh, the county that I'm in, Wayne County, is uh, bounded on the north and on the east by the Empire State, or as I like to refer to it as the Emperor State, because the uh, we have a, a guy who fancies himself as an emperor as the uh, governor over there. Um, but we're, we're right in the northeast, and we're we're the only county in Pennsylvania that actually has viable, marketable natural gas that can't develop it because we happen to be in the Delaware River Basin, uh, which is regulated by a group called the Delaware River Basin Commission, or DRBC. And even though they're mostly the same people who are on the Susquehanna River Basin Commission on the other side of the mountain, where they have done all kinds of natural gas development, when they put their DRBC hats on, they say no. We, we you know, we, we we think it's a big threat, and uh, that's one of the dichotomies that we're trying to constantly expose and to uh, challenge. What's going on with uh, Pennsylvania's energy? I know that you follow outside of Pennsylvania, but um, I, I believe it. Didn't I see an article that uh, there was going to be some considerable fee increases or some restrictions or some people were going to try the public health debate to make life more difficult for oil and gas companies. Yeah. Is that happening? Yeah. Did I see that? It is happening, but I, I, I think some people read a little too much into that. Uh, yes, the, they're proposing a gigantic fee you know, increase, but the fees aren't that huge to begin with. I mean, they're a few thousand dollars or something. And in the big picture, uh, you know, they're not, they're not a significant element. It's more of a, it's more of a, um, harassment issue than anything else uh i don't think i don't think it's going to disincentivize anybody from drilling a gas well um, no you're right i'm looking at this news story right now and it says we'll rise say from five thousand to twelve thousand five hundred yeah that ain't yeah that's a that's a drop in the bucket too that's 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 a pretty good lunch for some companies yeah you know i, I know some of my yeah exactly some of my <laughs> colleagues some of my colleagues are you know are are, uh, are talking about that and uh, making a big deal about it and i understand why because they know it's a rat harassment and they want to challenge it but i i, I kind of think i have more important things to do than worry about those fees and pennsylvania we're, we have a democrat governor right now who i, I think is done a terrible job leading the state but he's not terribly effective okay so he he um uh, we have a Republican legislature who is pro-energy, uh, and behind the scenes, he's more pro-energy than he would, you know, he would let people uh, believe, uh, which I think is true. So, several Democrats that there's, some of them are, you know, they don't, they want to, they want to keep their allies in the uh, fractious side of things, and the, uh, you know, the the, uh, the green sort of uh, street cred. But they they understand deep down, and, and they don't want to lose their economies, and they you know they want to think, they want to keep things rolling along too. Sure. So, 
So I think that's what's happening in Pennsylvania. Now, New York is a different case. You know, New York is, uh, is so far gone over the edge. Uh, I'm not sure even Johnny Green can save them. You know? so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who, I'm not sure either if the greatest environmentalist on Earth, the Earth champion, yeah. could could even save New York where they're they're uh, at, man. I tell you, uh, I, have, I have the highest respect for that guy, but I don't, you know, I don't think he could save New York. So. These, by, by the way, I'm hearing rumblings that Johnny Green will be putting the title on the line in June. Ah, uh, the belt, wow. the belt is going to be on the line for the greatest environmentalist on the planet, and uh, more That's details wonderful. to come on that for sure. But I'll be, I'll be watching for that. Trust me. I, I did I did see it was an op-ed that came out of Pennsylvania out of uh, one of the papers it might have been Harrisburg over the weekend that was just going along the whole public health uh, uh, politicians yeah. and oil and gas so I, I that's what it was it was the war drums that I saw beaten uh, there and yeah. so um, anyway yeah I, I think 2020 is going to be one heck of a year politically I really do. Oh. Oh my goodness! I and I think it's going to be fascinating to see for oil and Trump gas. Is. That is for oil and gas. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting to see whether Trump takes Pennsylvania again because he's 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 making a play for it again, of course, as he should, and he's doing it on the basis of uh, of what he's done in energy. And I and I think I think that's going to resonate well in western Pennsylvania and certainly in the rural parts of the county, so or, or the Commonwealth. So we'll see. We'll see. I think it's going to be a good year in that respect. So we'll see. How about his speech, Trump's speech at the World Economic Forum? I know that you had a, uh, some writings up on that and have yeah. some opinions on that. Um, uh, talk to the listeners out there how Trump's speech out at the World Economic Forums impacts the energy industry. I think it has a tremendous impact because what he's doing, and I, and I reprinted the whole speech on my site and added a few comments, but the... I think it's tremendous because when he's when he's going over to this World Economic Forum, which has really been, uh, a, you know, a gather over the last numerous years, it's been a gathering of uh, kind of effete snobs from Europe, you know, and and uh, they, you know, they sit around and talk to each other and you know, fly it on their big jets and all this stuff and opine on all kinds of politically correct things. And Trump has gone in there and he's just delivered a very straightforward message saying. You know, we're, we're the leader of the world, not you guys, in so many words. And we're getting it done, and we're, we're getting it done in a very straightforward way, by cutting regulations, by promoting our natural gas and oil, and uh, allowing it to, to, uh, to do, its, do its thing. We are uh, redoing our trade deals to, to make it more fair. And from the energy perspective, he's also, you know, trying to do things about like these pipeline delays and some of that. And I love the way he said it. You know, he, he said, we are not going to be, and so many, I'm paraphrasing that, we're not going to be prophets of doom anymore. You know, not in America. You know, we're, we're looking forward. We're making things happen. Uh, we've had, went through these repeated scares about having too, you know, population bomb, you know, and all this kind of nonsense. Uh, we've had global cooling in the past, and all that nonsense. And he's saying, you know, don't pay any attention to that. You know, we've got our eye on the ball. We're moving forward. America is great. We're the leader, and you can do it too. That's what he's saying. And I loved it. And I thought it was uh, uh, brilliantly done. And, uh, you know, he, he's an interesting character. I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't for him in 2016 and during the primaries. 
But, uh, boy, he sure proved himself with me, and uh, I think he's proved himself with a lot of people. And, uh, well, I, uh, I think people forget that, really, you only have two choices. And, and yeah. I mean, you, you might have three, but really, you only have two choices. And yeah. what I used to tell people is, look, maybe some people are just afraid of their insurance premiums going up. And, and maybe they're afraid of losing their job in the energy sector. So that's why they support Trump. Maybe it's not all the other reasons that the media says he's the most hated man on the planet for, which, by the way, he continues to win elections and polls and gets support. So he can't be that hated. That's right. That's right. That, 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 that's the part that blows me away. And that's where he that's where he's right about the narrative. You know, like it's well, you work in the media. You know that there can be a very good effort for uh, a narrative to be created if you have control over a certain amount of resources. Yeah. It, 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 it's, and it's a very unusual person who can crack through all this stuff, you know, and, and you have to be somebody who, who talks differently. You've got to be somebody with a uh, self-confidence uh, to the point of, uh, you know, of it being a, a point perhaps in certain circumstances, but but you have to have that. You have to have that ability to talk differently, to talk plainly, to be self-confident, to proclaim loudly, and to be unapologetic. And you know, there's, uh, and I, I think that the unapologetic part is perhaps the most important. Um, oh, I, I would agree. That's probably been his biggest strength, actually, to yeah. up to date is his ability to be unapologetic which a lot of people would say is his biggest weakness and makes him you know an awful person and yada yada but in order to do the things he's been able to do i think you're right he's almost had to be unapologetic there's no question and you know and we have to separate what the duties of a, of a president are and a leader are from what the duty, our duties are as individuals, you know, and, and uh, as individuals, of course, we have the, the moral obligation to be apologetic from time to time, but but not when you're a leader, okay? Not when you're the, the guy responsible for turning things around, when you're the guy that has to get things done. Uh, and, and and let's be honest, you know, when, when, when he's run into a brick wall from, from time to time, he's adjusted, he's backed up, he's adjusted, he's gone a different direction when he's needed to. But... Um, but he, but he doesn't do that by saying, "Oh, we, you know, we're, I'm sorry, we should have never done that. Or I just got to do better." You know, he never does that. When, I love when, it. when you mentioned that, I was thinking about yeah. Even when he eats humble pie, he's dropping f bombs, talking about, "I wish I would have never supported the f and vaping." And I just saw that headline, and I just. <laughs> I thought, you know, here's even when he was trying to put his heart in the right place, he still ends up in top headlines for sensational yeah, yeah, news, yeah. you know, and it's just it you can't make it up. I mean, it's a oh, I know. I know. oh yeah, it's like it's like the great prophet George Carlin said, America's a yeah. freak show. Sit down and enjoy the front row seat, folks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but hey, you you mentioned pipeline delays and I was talking with someone about how, you know, it seemed like after the DAPL po pipeline protest in, in North Dakota, uh, Standing Rock is really when the template got perfected to where other pipeline protests seemed to really just, yeah. you, no problem. So I, I don't know if you agree with that or if the timing on that was about the same, but talk to me a little bit about the pipeline protest because I do think you're gonna we're, we're going to see some this year. And I think it's a critical year because uh, we, we need to get pipelines to Corpus Christi and Lake Charles 
and uh, Mexico wants some LNG. Do, you know, you know what I mean. There's a reason to get these pipelines done sooner rather than later. Absolutely. And I and I do think the other side is um, has has really um, you know figured out how to you know how to make a scene about some of these things and to create pressure with a very few people. Um, and one of the problems we face, though, I think, is, is is less so them than it is the pipeline industry itself. And even more importantly, the people it feeds. And, and I'll give you an example. I'm not going to mention the specific company or the specific pipeline, but I'm aware of a pipeline that uh, was in, you know, was enormously controversial. And the uh, project was such that uh, one of the one of the companies that was going to receive this gas took a a um, a hard line and said, hey, we, we, we must have this gas and really went out all out on it and started uh, uh, turning off, or not turning off gas, but saying we can't do new connections until we have assurance we're going to have the gas we need. And, uh, and they were winning that battle, winning it big time. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think on the cusp of getting, uh, getting an approval of their pipeline. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the uh, that company uh, loses heart and says, "Oh, the heck with it. We're not going to. We're not. You know, it's it's not that important to us." And the reason they and and then of course they lost the battle. So the why did they give up so quickly at the very end when they were on the cusp? Of it? Well, the reason is that so many of these companies uh, can turn around and charge the consumer for their mistakes. I mean, this is this is one of the problems we have is that a a utility company that is providing you electric service or gas service or whatever it may be um they and they're under some kind of edict from the state that is totally uneconomical totally bizarre makes no sense whatsoever like you know subsidizing uh, crazy wind projects that only work 25 percent of the time and we're, we're you know putting massive subsidies into them and they they can just say, well, you know, we know it's stupid, but but we're going to sign on to it anyway because you taxpayers are going to pay the bill or you consumers are going to pay the bill, one of the two or both, more than likely. And therefore, what do we got to lose? You know, because we're a regulated uh, company and uh, we're, we can, at the end of the day, if we have additional costs, if, you, if things go wrong, uh, it's all going to fall back on you guys anyway. So what the heck? We'll just go along. Why, why, why fight for... Uh, rationality. Why? Why fight for common sense? Let's just go along, follow, you know, go with the flow, and we'll pass the bill on to the consumer and the taxpayer. And that's the that's the real battle we're facing. The environmentalists are just taking advantage of that. So um, they're they're making the fuss that the utility company can then use as an excuse to cave. That's how I see it. I think they're they've got a lot of different arrows in their quiver of of tactics and you mentioned a couple uh i mentioned a couple and i think a, a lot of it too and and is just hemorrhaging companies out ba- ma- ma- making them bleed to, uh financially so that they either gotta sell or close the project or or move on to something else yeah it's it's, it's a constant battle now it's 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 uh, more of a battle in some places than others i don't think for example building pipelines in, in, in Ohio is that difficult. 
Um, and I don't think building them in Pennsylvania is all that difficult. I mean, yes, there's been some challenges and so on. But uh, it is rather but, interesting, though, that after the Dakota Access Pipeline um, Standing Rock, yeah. it it sure seemed like boy, you could just download a a checklist yeah. off the internet for any any protester, huh? Yeah. It was. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But but you had the the problem you have is the uh, uh, the you know the uh, Native American uh, excuse. And, um, and it's not that I'm not sympathetic to tribes and Native Americans. I've done some work for some of the tribes, but but the the um, but it's a unique it's a unique uh, problem that you have out there and that we had with Apple that created a, an additional vulnerability that doesn't exist everywhere. Um, what we have and and what we have in like New York and Maryland and New Jersey and places like that is we're just dealing again with very rich elites who um, you know don't care whether the rest of the people get get gas or not uh, or get oil you know whatever the case may be the, the one thing about dapple that i thought was so interesting and you brought what you just brought up and i'd like to elaborate on is it really exposed a lot of the emotional elements that people oh, yeah. people didn't have before i mean when you really look at it there were rubber bullets fired and water in sub-zero temperatures. Hollywood showed up. Disa- disabled veterans showed up. I, I had, I had texts and phone calls from seven countries and three continents um, about about what was going on because it was in my backyard. Well, I was on the BBC. I mean, I was the reporter that they that they interviewed about it. So I was uh, somewhat, you know, finding things out. But that's what I took away from it was. Uh, somebody said to me that that was actually the biggest uh, PR black eye on oil and gas since the BP oil spill because of the way that they, you know, the state handled it. Yeah, uh, the 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 interesting thing about the uh, that uh, one of the interesting sidelights is Nathan Phillips, of course, was out there making the making uh, <laughs> making noise out there in your neck of the woods, and lo and behold, he becomes famous later. Uh, uh, creating that that phony attack on uh, or phony incident with uh, Nick Sandman, you know, and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. the, the, so that's kind of that that kind of is very revealing, I think, as to some of the dynamics at play here. We got yeah. irresponsible media. You got a lot of emotional stuff. You've got people with, with agendas all over the place. But that but the interesting thing about the Dapple was it didn't only motivate. Um, people from the other side. It also motivated people from our side. I mean, when, when I ran stories on Dapple, even though I'm, you know, more Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York focused, you know, New Jersey, um, people, boy, they responded to that. I mean, uh, I'll tell you, I learned a lot about. I I knew an adequate amount about pipelines, but when that happened, I of course went on overdrive and learned a lot. I was surprised at how much I learned in favor of the energy industry. Like every time I go in and actually do some investigation, it always turns out that the energy industry seems to be a lot more on the right side than on the wrong side. And I'm yeah. and I'm and, and I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not you know I'm not I'm not I'm, no. This is actually if you go in and look at the facts and science, etc. And um, that was the the. It was just so different the way that um, all that was handled out there. And like I said, it really brought out the emotional elements. And that's that story I asked you about earlier. I wanted to circle back to that editorial about uh, out in Pennsylvania. And I found it. It's actually from uh, Washington County, an old newspaper I used to uh, do. I I had newspaper clients back in my former publishing days. And 
Washington County was one of them, just south of uh, Pittsburgh, correct? Okay, so we're just south, just south of Pittsburgh, and it's an editorial asking for the Department of Health to rethink uh, public health through, by regulating oil and gas more, and they're using, like, childhood cancer. And yeah, I when I saw that, I went, oh, this is a whole... And so my question to you is, I, and I think this is actually, we, we got to start having this discussion now because it's going to be too late, which is, I firmly believe that the activists are having a public health debate and the energy industry is still trying to have an energy debate. What's your thought on that? I think that's right. And, and, it, and it's been coming for quite some time. I mean, that's the issue that, that ultimately New York used to, to, you know, to ban fracking and may permanently ban it at this point. From what we're hearing, they may, they may make a move to do that. And there's no evidence. I mean, that whole thing with the, in Pittsburgh is, uh, uh, you know, it's just nonsense. I mean, when you read up on it and study the details of it, it's absolute nonsense. The state itself has uh, you know, gone over it and uh, indicated they see no evidence of any, any pattern or anything else. And yet... They were forced to turn around and spend. They're spending three million dollars of our tax money to study it again, you know, to do a special study, which of course is going to conclude the exact same thing. The because it's going to use the same data, you know. So, did your state uh, experience a smoking ban, um, ban um, through public restaurants and that sort of thing? Did you guys have yes. a statewide referendum on that? Yes. Yes. So, so we did too, and. About five years ago, when I was out in Colorado, I started noticing um, the way that people were acting out there, and it was very similar to what I thought was the smoking ban. And in, in, you know, up in my neck of the woods, up in the upper Midwest, here, pretty much every state has done it, and they did the same thing. Where when you look at secondhand smoke, the science has really actually never been concluded no, as, right. as 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 accurate by by the actual you know, CDC and, and who and everything else, it's actually never been concluded, but it was, it was, it got the Mandela effect so much. It got, it got so much momentum. They were able to just sweep through and do it. Now, is it better or worse? That's not even the discussion here. The discussion is, is it was loose science that was never verified. And then they took and they ran with it. That's the same template I'm seeing here today. There's no question about it. There's a book. I'm looking at it on my shelf right now as we're speaking. It's called Scare Pollution by Steve Malloy. And uh, and he and he focuses on this whole uh, secondhand smoke thing. I would encourage anybody that's interested in it to to uh, to read it uh, because it, it 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 does show you what's about that it's he appropriately titles the book Scare Pollution. And of course he's you know, just using that as one example, but and I don't want to get into, uh, you know, defending it one way or another. But you're right. The science has never, ever been proven. And yet we made policy on it. We made legislation affecting everybody on it. And uh, when we see that repeatedly. But at a certain point, um, I think, you know, there, everything is a pendulum. You know, the, the pendulum does swing the other way from time to time. And I do think once people... You know, you can you can envision a situation, you know, five years from now when people realize that we've made a lot of mistakes, we've gone too far in one direction. You can visualize them coming back, and that's kind of what Trump is doing in many in many areas now. You know, but uh, I, I I do you know I'm old enough to have seen that kind of thing various times that the pendulum swings and uh, there's an overreaction and then there's a reaction to the overreaction. You know, so. Um, 
Yeah, it is just a little concerning when you've got presidential candidates talking about banning the industry. You know, I, oh my, my question is, well, what happened to straws? We, we, we decided yeah. to give up on straws, and so we're just going to do the whole industry? It, it, it is. I mean, it's 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 quite remarkable, really. And I just don't understand how the media continues to give, um, you know, like, honestly, when, when I look at Elizabeth Warren, and I'm not trying to be political here, I'm just trying to say, if you took any person that knew anything about the way a light economy and just the way of, of duties and responsibilities in a civilization works, and you said to them, we're going to ban your number one energy source that actually produces the most amount of jobs. And then we're also going to wipe out student debt. So we're going to get rid of that. And we're going to get, I mean, I, the only way to make that happen is, don't forget that Medicare for all and and Medicare for all. I mean, I, I, I look at it and I'm going, those are some like major, major overhauls that you just say, okay, America, this is the way that we now do things because nothing is the same anymore. Uh, anyway, it's just, well, it's crazy. I just don't get how the media continues to give her attention. I, I, I don't either, but I, I do think I do think the general public uh, understands, at least some do, and I think enough do, that we're safe for a while on that. But uh, you, you do have to worry about the future when people think that disastrously. And, and the worst part of it is, you know, she's not stupid. She's, she's, a, she's a smart lady in her own sense. She is... She is Doing something she knows, she has to know, is wrong. You know, she is demagoguing, and she and this is what I see in New York uh, um, across the river. But the you, you you see people who know have to know that this is completely wrong, that this is bizarre, that this makes no sense, and yet they're doing it anyway for the short term, you know, political gain. And I think that's that's the the nub of the problem in many respects is that we've we've got people who don't even don't even make a pretense toward rationality i mean they're willing to sacrifice everything to demagogues again we can go back to the great prophet george carlin who was very (laughs) very famous for coming out and saying f tiger woods and lance armstrong and that was when everybody loved those two they were untouchable and he yeah. was right on them too. And it's, I, I almost look at it the same way where it seems to like a, a lot of times we like to prop people up that uh, they just like to say you know, platitudes, platitudes. Just uh, whoever can say the coolest platitude in the moment, we're going to prop up. It doesn't matter what's behind it. You know, they can, like, like you mentioned, they can, they can fly these big expensive jets together to talk about how to save the climate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's maddening. You know, but that's what I, to get back to Trump a little bit, that's what I kind of like about, you know, he cuts through all that, you know, and um, not many people can do that. You know, I, you know, I was, uh, again, during the 2016 thing, uh, Ted Cruz was my guy, like, I still like him, I think he's a great guy, but, but I, I don't know, you know, as smart as he is, and he's an extremely bright guy, as smart as he is, and as capable he is in debates and all that kind of thing. Could he have cut through some of this the way that Donald Trump is? I don't think so. I don't think. He no, I, I I don't think anybody can. You see, Trump's not a politician, and yeah. um, I've you know, and I don't know if I've ever told you my theory on uh, po- uh, politics is pro wrestling, and instead of 
arm bars and uh, headlocks. They use bullet points and sound bites for education and gun control. But they know what they're going to say. So it's a contrived dance, just like wrestling is. And Trump, hey, Trump has headlined WrestleMania 22, and he also has hosted it twice. So that's why he's ahead of the game. And, <clears throat> you know, and there's, there's a little bit of truth behind what I'm saying because he is ahead of the media. He knows how to work it better than anyone. And honestly, if you look at the way that a lot of the politics is these days, some guy from CNN will bring in, uh, okay, we're going to talk gun control. Here's Joe Schnob from the right party, and here's Jane Schnib from the left party. We have no idea who they are, but because they represent the red and the blue, we listen to them. And Trump knows that. And he's like, nah, that's okay. I'm just going to do my own thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the first, the first, you're absolutely right. The first clue that he was going to be different was that during the 2016 debates, he, he did, he, you know, how they usually do preparation. They have somebody stand in and pretend to be the other candidate. You know, they drill him on questions, you know. And he, from what I read, he did very little preparation. He just put up and he just, he was just himself. <laughs> and look how it came through, you know. He was, uh, um, Do, Donald Trump said one of the worst words that you could possibly say about a female's body part and also made fun of a man's genitalia and is the president of the United States. He can do yeah, anything I, he wants. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I mean, know. I would, if, he, if he did that and got elected, anything could, I mean. And yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, uh, I did want to just kind of wrap up here about natural gas. Uh, just kind of uh, plug in your site, of course, natural gas now, but also uh really i do think the reality of it when you take away the scare tactics and the and everything along those lines the the industry is probably going to go through a little bit of a change but natural gas seems to be the safe 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 bet for the next 30 years by pipelines by abundance of supply by the you know they say it's a bridge fuel i say it's more of a foundation fuel that's right i i, I love that term uh and the reason for that is that you can't do renewables. And, and you know, renewables are going to grow. To, and if for no other reason than political correctness, we're going to see more of it. And, and they are going to get somewhat better. You know, I don't think they're going to get anywhere near better, as, as the advocates say. But they're always going to improve somewhat. And uh, that's just the nature of technology. And there will be, you know, storage things that come along and, and uh, so on and so forth. But the bottom line is that you can't get... You can't get there without natural gas um, it, to whatever point you can get. We don't we don't really know how far it can go. I, I suspect it's less far than what they suggest, and the real answers are, you know, in the future, things like hydrogen and stuff like that, which is, by the way, can be made from natural gas. But but in any case, the the point is that unless you have something to to gives you a baseload generation potential for electricity. Then you have nothing. I mean, you can't you can't rely upon solar energy or wind energy or, or even a combination of the two to to do anything in your home or your business unless you have the assurance of natural gas or coal or nuclear nuclear behind it, and to give you the ability to have dispatchable energy. You've got to be able to call have something available that you can call on at any given moment, any given second. 
when when the wind's not blowing and the sun's not shining, uh, or you know the, the the wind is blowing less than it should, you know things like that. So the you've got to have that backup, and this is the central point that renewables advocates, green energy people, just will not recognize. They just assume that you know the wind will offset solar, or that uh, there'll be storage solutions down the line, or, you know whatever, and they will not reckon with the fact that you've got to have a baseload a generator and natural gas is the best baseload generator unless you want to go nuclear and uh, you know a lot of people see a lot of problems with that I, I personally i don't necessarily have a problem with it but it is expensive very expensive compared to natural gas and uh, a lot of people are concerned about it from a risk standpoint so uh, i don't necessarily share that concern but I, I, it's out there, and that's why it's so expensive, because of that perception. So uh, so natural gas is still your best bet as a backup option, not just a backup, but as you say, a foundation, as the base load generator, and then use the solar and the wind for the extra, the supplemental. Tom Shepstone, naturalgasnow.org is his website. I want to get one last question in because I enjoy sure. speaking with him so much. Uh, when it comes to energy's image right now um i I do think another one of their issues that they're having uh because i think 2020 is going to be the most important year in in oil and gas's history uh at least in modern history uh i I think that they're facing what the farmers faced before which was when the supermarkets came around pretty soon everybody forgot that the farmers were the ones that were making the food and i think that the light switch and the circuit breaker has really replaced the energy worker out there and people just assume that power comes from a switch. Yeah. Well, here's, here's how I, I see it similarly, but a little bit differently too. And that is we are, we have, we have increasingly become an uh, urban country, which is a natural state of things. You know, with a growing population, you're going to have a more urban country in, in certain areas. And, uh, and as you become more urban, people get separated from the land and, they get separated from how you grow food, how you make lumber, uh, how you build things, how you uh, create energy. They they do not appreciate that. Uh, and you will find people from uh, New York City who have who think a, a tree uh, will only take ten years to grow, for example, or that that you can uh, you can grow all the food we need from uh, you know an organic plot uh, you know, in somebody's backyard, you know, or that that we can uh, produce the energy we want just by magically saying solar and, and wind without considering uh, storage. I mean, this is because they know next to nothing about what's involved. I mean, you you, you grew up in, the, uh, I, I presume, in a rural area. You seem to be you know, thoroughly familiar with rural life. And so did I. I grew up on a farm. And so I understand. I know what it, what it means to own land, to grow things. And the risks, the enormous risks and involved and all that stuff. And, and so I have an appreciation for it. But you take somebody who grew up in New York City or in, in Metro New Jersey or whatever, they, have no, they haven't got a clue. They, they, you know, they, they really don't know. They, they, don't, they don't have the foggiest idea how this stuff is done. So they're vulnerable to being demagogued. That's, that's the essence of the problem as I see it. All right, give yourself a plug if you got a website or any sort yeah. of uh, newsletters, yeah. etc. Yes, yeah, so you can just.
just go to naturalgasnowoneword.org, naturalgasnow.org, and you'll find out, you can find out more about me there, and you can read our our posts. We generally have uh, one to two posts. Well, there's one post every day except Sunday, and generally there's two posts. So there's always something interesting to read, and we include links to things. We include even links to your shows where I've been on them. And uh, we include uh, links to a lot of videos. So there's a lot of information there. I would encourage people to visit. And uh, if they you know, like to support what we do, they can do that there too. So.